1: Hello everyone and welcome to our power-packed podcast, which is the 18th edition of Scoring at the Movies. This episode is ready to rumble. and that first sentence, if you're an old fan of wrestling, you should recognize Billy Red Lions there. We aim to post a fresh episode every other Thursday, although that wasn't such the case with Longest Yard. Give or take 72 hours. (laughs) Technical snafus in Cuba. And we gab about sports movies in every one of these podcasts. And we'll hit you with liberal amounts of spoilers in this one and all of them, really. I'm the one-time wrestling addict who still loves to freak out, freak out, Ryan Ellis. And here's my co-host, the machoist of macho Man himself, Christy Gregorio. Thank you,
0: Ryan. It's good oh. to see the queen ...rising to the top again. Yeah.
1: I didn't know that Macho Man's in this movie, but as I've said before, this is the first time I've ever watched a movie for this podcast. Other than now playing Project Podcasts, where I haven't seen the movie before, so my very first viewing.
0: So you were a ready-to-rumble virgin going into this, were you?
1: I popped my cherry. Oh, and what an enjoyable experience I'm sure it was for you. Thanks to you two for it being free. As you pointed out, we couldn't see their rippling muscles as well in SD on a little screen here, as it would have been on our 42-inch TVs, but good yeah. enough.
0: Yeah, maybe this movie benefits from
1: 4K or something, where you can really get no, the
0: vascularity not. on the steroid-enhanced athletes going.
1: You say vascularity, and I always think of the impression that Bruce Pritchard does... Of what's his name? Some sycophant. John Laurinaitis, How about Vince McMahon? Hey, boss, you're really vascular. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard that word until hearing that impression. Or if I'd heard it, I didn't know what it meant.
0: Vince is pretty
1: vascular. Still is, and he's in his that 70s. Yeah, for an old dude. All right, so what's the beer choice for Ready to Rumble?
0: Today we're going with Octopus Wants to Fight. Seemed roughly apropos, right? It's an IPA from Great Lakes Brewery. I might get a little bit pugilistic, a little bit combative, a little bit argumentative as this goes along. right? Oh, well, you know
1: something, Mean <laughs> Chris. <laughs> mean He's not Chris. in this movie. Hulk no. Hogan is not in this movie, even though he worked for WCW at this point. And that is the wrestling company in this movie. They're called that. It's all their wrestlers. Must... WWF doesn't exist in this movie.
0: I guarantee you, though, he, he just wanted too much money for the appearance of the movie. Could 100%. Be.
1: He'd been in other films, too, because he actually could say... He was an actor, per se. He wasn't, but the other guys were... Well, Macho Man had been in a few movies. No, he hadn't been in Spider-Man yet. That was a couple years after this. Hogan had been in Rocky three, And he's good in Rocky three. Yeah, he is. Well, as bad as they were, he'd been in lots of movies in the late 80s, early 90s. One of which maybe we'll cover one day. I've never seen that either. What's it called? No Holds Barred. So you're saying Hulk Hogan was like the Rock of the 80s? He was. The and Rock has he- succeeded, but the Rock could have been Hulk Hogan redux. The Rock's acting talent saved him from being... Shit, Hulk Hogan doesn't have real acting talent, so that's why he never succeeded that way.
0: I've always said that one of the greatest travesties in the history of the Academy Awards is that The Rock got no nominations for his portrayal of the Scorpion King in (laughs) The Scorpion King. His
1: first movie as a star, that's right. That's right, his
0: first leading role.
1: Okay, Ready to Rumble was released in April of 2000. Warner Brothers didn't invest a ton of money into the moving picture, Only about $24 million. But I didn't (laughs) even manage to make half that. (laughs) Every
0: dollar is up there on the screen. (laughs) Every penny of that $24 million was well invested in this movie.
1: Wrestling was so big in 1999, 2000, 98 as well, 2001 still. But anyway, around this time it was so big, and you'd think that by default the movie would make $30 million, but not even close.
0: I was 18 in 99, I guess when they were filming this, 19 when it was released. I'm never a big wrestling fan, but...
1: I was at this point.
0: But even if you're not, when you're a teenage boy, big as it was, you can't help but know the storylines and the personalities. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Even just, I like guess, a tangential participant in the whole like wrestling phenomenon, you know all the names. And this is all WCW personalities. Mm-hmm. But even then, Sting and Diamond Dallas Page and those guys, and obviously Macho Man. And Bill Goldberg as well. Yeah, He's yeah, a big Goldberg. part of this movie. He is. Those are all names that you would have known. It's a shame that they couldn't get the WWF on board because then you would have... Or now WWE, but then WWF. Mm -hmm. Then you could have had the Stone Colds and the Rocks. Then this movie
1: would have succeeded.
0: Well, let's not go that far. (laughs) This movie has a lot to apologize for. It's not a good screenplay, that's for sure. Yeah, you know what? In retrospect, if we wanted to do something wrestling related, because I think we decided to do this because of WrestleMania?
1: No, because you were watching YouTube clips and you said the Macho Man was inspiring you. (laughs) That's true. We have to do a wrestling movie! Yeah, it is my fault. I would have liked to have done The Wrestler, but you'd Stupid, rather... Stupid,
0: fantastic, macho man clips. Was it my fault that we did this
1: movie? Yeah. Oh, shit. I, I was going to say, we,
0: we could have done The Wrestler. We could have done even like a fox
1: catcher or something. We still uh, can or... do those one day.
0: Instead, we did this. And then I immediately began to question all of the choices I've made in my life. I mean... <laughs> Oh,
1: God. So we're saying we didn't like the movie, obviously. And that's before
0: we... I even realized it was mostly my fault. I thought it was a joint decision. No. I'm going to need a lot more alcohol
1: tonight now to reconcile this decision. You think you brought two beers. I did, yeah. Should I nutshell this movie? Well, I'm going to nutshell this movie. It's Dumb and Dumber with chair shots. It's
0: Dumber than Dumb and Dumber. No, what I
1: mean is these characters are both dumb, like those characters are in that movie. I... It's supposed to be a comedy, but here's the reason why it really compares. They go on a road trip.
0: Yeah.
1: Dumb and Dumber, for all of its storylines it. and comedy, is a road trip movie.
0: I get it. And you know I love your nutshells, Ryan. But I'm struggling because I love Dumb and Dumber, and I hate this movie okay. so much that I don't even want it mentioned in this Really? Scene.
1: You'd use the word hate. I would use the word indifference, because I won't remember this movie in six months, maybe even two months. I'll remember it just because I rude every second that I <laughs> wasted watching it. Did you laugh at all? We've been talking about that a lot the last couple of months. Longest Yard, which, of course, is supposed to be a classic. We didn't laugh at that. Cool I... Runnings, we really didn't laugh at that much. What about this one?
0: I think I laughed once. I can't remember if it's the initial sequence of the movie or very early on when What's-His-Nuts there, the uncharismatic lead of the movie.
1: Arquette. Oh, David Arquette. Yeah,
0: David Arquette and Scott Conner are hanging out and they're talking to the kids out front and Arquette's sort of sipping on his disgusting uh, slushy-type thing. And they have the sequence of him going in to get another slushy, and then he starts getting into the argument with the cashier. The cashier starts whacking his head like a crazed wrestler, and they're talking to each other. And like that's this where Ryan. Macho Man comes into the picture. And Macho Man comes in and lays the smack down. That back and forth actually did make me giggle a little bit, mostly because I thought the cashier guy, the little bit part actor, he was
1: trying. He was
0: acting his ass off, as much as I hate David Arquette. He does a pretty good crazed wrestler stare into the camera kind of look. Okay, so I giggled at that, and then after the first three minutes of this movie, for
1: me, it was just yeah. like a straight nosedive into the shit pit. That's a good segue, because I have to admit that I almost laughed when they got covered in shit. Really? Only because... No! ...right afterwards, the toilet paper thing happens. No! And what is it, Arquette or Calm, one of the two say something about how that's a funny coincidence. It gets meta. And this movie is not smart, but for it to get meta even in that way, I hate shit jokes like that. I hate when Kevin Smith, who's a funny filmmaker, generally relies on shit jokes. This movie did it for a moment, but for some reason that worked for me only because it got meta. Yeah. I didn't like seeing them covered in shit. Thank God I wasn't eating lunch, but that's I, why I thought that was almost funny. I think I saw this in the theater when I was 19. I was watching every
0: stupid teen comedy that came out, and I probably liked it a little bit more then. This movie, for me, started out on a little bit of a high note, and then they go into like the shit humor almost immediately, and then it's like a good 20, 30 minutes of terrible shit jokes
1: oh, I didn't appreciate all those just that one the, yeah, the yeah no, I get what part. you're
0: saying but I'm saying as far as a failing of the movie from my perspective mm-hmm. is it's not just a, a one-off joke like a one-off gag they really stretch it out that really...
1: ball shots yeah they drag it out,
0: and they drag it out into a sequence where they go through a drive-thru and it's David Arquette spewing the most unfunny juvenile it's not an insult you know it's like a guy ragging on his buddy who has the hots for a girl at a drive-thru but he's just doing it terribly And then it's more shit humor When they tip the car Later after Mm. the wrestling match So it was like A 30 minute sequence Where I was just getting Pissed off At how badly Written this stuff was I've got a super Juvenile sense of humor And if it's Mm. well executed And and well pulled off
1: I love that But Dumb and Dumber Has one of the most famous Shit sequences of all time Yes Where Jeff Daniels can't stop shitting yeah
0: and like i said i love that
1: movie Pretty but then much. you don't see it which is good you know he's doing it but you don't see i don't think any evidence it never like it cuts to the bowl where he's filled it up and then it won't flush yeah you well, just know that's what's happened or even like an austin
0: powers he's on the shitter and the assassin creeps out of the wall and starts straggling him and the tom arnold character can hear austin powers going "Ah, oh, god oh, okay, yeah. give it hell now show that turd who's boss kind of thing that stuff's funny. The writing was so bad and it was just like, let's literally cover the main characters and shit and look how funny that is. Come on, man. If you're going to do it... It worked back then and maybe it
1: still does now, but it definitely it does. I don't think it does. It did for the, the kids. Well, that's what it I mean. still does for the kids. When
0: I was 19, maybe I thought that was kind of humorous. I don't know.
1: You know who wrote the movie? Stephen Brill, who wrote Mighty Ducks and the Mighty Ducks sequels and also, around the same time frame, the dreadful, I hated it, Little Nicky. One of Adam Sandler's worst movies. Little Nicky was bad.
0: I would argue Little Nikki was still better than this.
1: We didn't talk about some of the numbers for the film. It got 23% of critics on Rotten Tomatoes on its side. Only 23. Too high. And 52% of audiences, which is almost a fresh review. Too high. I agree. 127th at the 2000 U.S. box office. The Grinch, the Jim Carrey version, was number one. And a movie we could do one of these days. Remember the Titans, the football film. Denzel Washington and so on was 18th. The title of the movie in, I think, Japan, because they have different titles of films, right? Yeah, yeah. Hoosiers, for example, was, I think, last shot or something that's like that right that. it was in something some that... other country hoosiers means nothing to them the title of this movie and i think japan was headlock go go professional wrestling so it's headlock really? go exclamation mark go exclamation mark professional wrestling
0: That is incredible. I love the Japanese. Isn't that true of either Voltron or Transformers back in the day? Instead of being called that, it was like Go Robot Go or something?
1: That explains the storyline more than Transformers does, actually. Go Robot Go. Or
0: maybe it was Power Rangers. It was Mm -hmm. just like one of those very Japanese, generic Go kind of titles. (laughs) This is the
1: rare non-Western to be set in Cheyenne, Wyoming. They do go to Atlanta, because that's where WCW is headquartered, <laughs> but I was reading it was shot in California, I think the entire movie. They probably got establishing shots in some of these places with second unit, but the actors only spent time, apparently, in California, despite the fact it's supposed to be in the Midwest, like, and then in the Deep South. You're not seeing a lot of scenery, really,
0: aside from the shots out front of a convenience store, and when they're draining the Johnny-on-the-spot things.
1: Like you're not And when they out. travel to find the king, we haven't mentioned him yet, Oliver Platt's yeah. character, the creatively titled Jimmy The King, I guess yeah. the is the... Nickname. It's like Brett the Heart rather yeah. than the Hitman,
0: which is actually a pretty creative name. It's almost like no, it's not.
1: Listen, you could do a lot worse than Jimmy the King. Right? Well, if it's a play on Jerry the King Lawler. He's also not in very Might good shape. Be. That's one thing about this movie I did like and appreciated that the star of the film and supposed to be the top star in WCW was a out of shape dude because Absolutely. I can relate to that one. He's not these other guys who were in tip-top shape. You already know that Diamond Dallas Page and Goldberg and all the guys you see seen in this movie are huge. Yeah, Oliver Platt's not small. David Arquette and Scott Conn are. But when you see those guys up against all the actors in the film, the real actors, Joe Pantoliano as well, yeah. they truly tower over them.
0: I liked it too, that the fact that this guy who's supposed to be at the top of his game, he's a couch potato. He just looks like a normal dude. It's kind of funny to see, especially when he makes his comeback and he's in there fighting with DDP. And yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Though I didn't laugh, one of my favorite scenes of this movie is on the road trip, right? They pick up the king and they take him to find his posse. And they visit Bill Goldberg working out in the gym. He's just casually pounding out incline bench presses at like 150 pounds, 80 reps. Jimmy the King just rolls in and says, Hey, Bill, looking huge, looking big, looking strong. I'd love to see Jimmy the King and Bill Goldberg going set for set on the (laughs) inclined bench press and see who can best who. I actually didn't mind Oliver Platt in this, i got to say.
1: He's committed, but one thing about this movie, and it certainly is true about Arquette and Khan, it's also true about Platt and certainly the wrestlers, but they're not actors, so they can be excused for that to a degree. They really eat the scenery. Wrestling has never been subtle, but these guys are so over the top. And David Arquette is not a subtle actor, he's not a great actor. He was pretty good in the screen movies, considering he's a supporting player. But he's not a lead, and we really found no. that out at this point. I guess because he's also a real wrestling fan, legit, beyond just being in this movie, that he thought he should be so
0: crazy all the time, but that's not... I found it incredibly off-putting. When
1: it's an entire an hour and 40 yes. or so in a movie. In the ring, okay, fine, that's what the job is. But most wrestlers and most people who know wrestling have heard podcasts and watched interviews of these people. They're surprisingly normal. Most of them. Yeah. Look like at Mick Foley.
0: They're normal guys. They're hamming it up for the camera for mm. a very specific purpose. Some if- of them
1: are nuts. Legit Macho Man apparently was pretty nuts. He wasn't really yeah. acting all that much. And Ultimate Warrior as well was pretty crazy. But one of the great things about Macho Man and one of the things that got me going down
0: the old YouTube rabbit hole, Ryan and finding you were thinking, little- thinking thinking. And searching, searching! Exactly, but the Macho Man, he's got a subtle, slow-burning intensity about
1: him. I don't think it's subtle, but it is slow-burning. It's slow-burning.
0: It's not <coughs> screaming in your face all the
1: time. He did do that, too, but you're right. He could tone it down and almost whisper like Jake the Snake Roberts would have done. That it, kind of
0: he thing. was very Jake the Snakey, Macho Man in the way he approached things. He'd get intense
1: at times, but for the most part, he was intense but not screaming at you. Kind These of actors sure aren't. You mentioned DDP, by the way, and he's really the wrestling lead. He is the King's main opponent. It's funny they cast him as the villain, though, because he was the ultimate babyface. Good guy, as they say, in WCW, especially around this point. really? I don't think he's ever played a bad guy. Oh, he did in WWE. They miscast him as a stalker character. But in his prime, and this guy was an old man. He was around my age now when he finally hit stardom. In all that prime, he truly was one of their stars. So many of their stars... They bought from WWF. And, of course, they bought stars, too, before that. Hulk Hogan didn't start with Vince McMahon. He started long before that. And Randy Savage didn't start with Vince McMahon either. But DDP and Goldberg were two of the only WCW creations in that whole time frame when they were succeeding. So many of their top stars came from somewhere else and made their name with those character names. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and so on from somewhere else, particularly WWF. But it's weird to see Diamond Dallas Page as a villain because he's not at all like that in real life. And now his real life thing is he's saving people's lives, including Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, with his DDP yoga. Right, which is about diet and it's about mental attitude. Jake the Snake Roberts would be dead right now if it weren't for Diamond Dallas Page's diligence and friendship.
0: Like I said, I didn't follow a ton of wrestling, but I knew enough to sort of raise the old Spockian eyebrow at some of the choices. Because in this movie, you mentioned you have Goldberg. You mentioned Sting. And I think either one of those characters would have been more suited to be the villain against Oliver Platt's character than Diamond Dallas Page. And
1: Goldberg was the top star, but then he ends up being on the King's side. Goldberg played a bit of a heel in a lot of his wrestling career, did he not? With WCW I don't think so. There was an angle they did in Canada where Bret Hart was going to get cheered, so Goldberg got booed. But otherwise, he was supposed to be a good guy. He got booed in WWF sometimes. They weren't supposed to, but they'd booed him anyway. He's got the look about him, though. He
0: really does. I guess not dissimilar to Stone Cold. He's got that kind of jacked up, shaved head, mm-hmm. goateed look that just screams asshole. Stone Cold
1: should have been, just like The Rock in his prime, should have been a heel. A bad guy. He should have been hated. Stone Cold was an asshole though. That's the thing. Always. He never he really changed that always was, but people, people just loved, loved, loved it. Same
0: with The Rock. So he became the hero just by virtue of the fact that people got on board with him. But he was an asshole. It's interesting listening to Stone Cold. He has a podcast now. He's, he's, he's such just... a normal guy. He is. And he's got mostly progressive views on things. Things, I think, and I'm not an expert on this, so if I misspeak, don't blame me
1: for it. I he guess. did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I know he didn't. He voted for well, Trump. Oh, maybe not,
0: but it's interesting hearing him speak outside of the ring, given the way he was portrayed inside the ring. And you mentioned DDP. I didn't realize this about him then, only know about it now because of his DDP yoga stuff. He got into professional wrestling at 35, only got to sort of like the pinnacle of his career. I think he said he was about 42 when That's he got to that right. point. Mm-hmm. At this point when the movie was filmed, I don't know if this is just before it or maybe a year or two before, at one of their like cage matches, he just destroyed his back. He blew out his back. That's kind of where he began the journey to his yoga career because that was how he rebuilt it himself. Right. When doctors told him you'll never wrestle again, he looked for anything that would help him, which turned out to be yoga and in the way he does it, which is not your standard yoga, he incorporates strength training. It's not your stuff. mama's yoga is what That's slogan the tagline, is. yeah. yeah.
1: I found him incredibly bland in the movie. Yeah, he's not a good actor. Although he was in The Devil's Rejects as one of the hitmen. Was it really? In that film. I didn't recognize him the first time I saw that picture, which was five years after this one. not a big role. Terry Funk has been in movies, too, in bouncer-type roles like in Roadhouse. And there's a lot
0: of wrestlers that do transition into usually bit parts into movies. Big Show, what's his name, Paul White, I yeah. think? Mm-hmm. He turns up in bit parts on all kinds of TV series, and I
1: think he had a relatively recurring role in Royal Pains at one point. Okay. Look at John Cena. He's becoming the new rock. He's actually good in movies like Trainwreck and Blockers. He's basically the star of Blockers. He's Mm -hmm. not just in it. He's one of the main players, and he's fine. He's a pretty funny guy.
0: One of my favorite shows that I discovered after it came off the air is the TV show Psych.
1: Never
0: saw that. I think it aired on USA in the States and gained more popularity after it went off the air. It's one of those kind of things. But John Cena had a recurring role as a bit character. That's
1: because Monday Night Raw was also on USA. Yeah, I think yeah, still is yeah. on USA.
0: I don't know if they still do it, but WWF WWE produced movies. They tried to create action franchises a at a certain point. The wrestler and, Kane was in a movie as a yeah. maybe more than one, but definitely one as a bad guy. But John Cena was the golden boy of that franchise. They wanted to make a franchise that turned him into their version of The Rock mm-hmm. in mainstream movies. I don't know if they'd succeed. I saw one or two of those movies, and they were all bad, but enjoyable, mindless, action-y, bad type of movies. they
1: have done many versions, or many sequels, I should say, with The Marine. I think at least three the of the Marine. wrestlers have been The yeah, Marine. Yeah, yeah. Seen him as the first one, and other wrestlers have played The Marine in the various sequels, but Seen him as in the first one.
0: I don't expect wrestlers to be actors, but they are acting most of the time. When yeah, they're their at, job is they're to act, in, but yeah. they're not
1: usually very subtle because they have to project to the back row of maybe yeah. 13,000 seat, or even a lot more, arena well, not or just a stadium that. or whatever.
0: In terms of like how you're screaming out your lines, but they're also playing up a role for 13-year-old boys at home who are not going right. to appreciate subtlety, so they want The total dick of a villain, and here's the golden boy hero, and here's why they hate each
1: other, and let's play it up as a soap opera in the ring, right? I'm projecting as in their physical actions. So if they were to put their arms up to say, "Hey, look at me, guys! You're not going to do that sort of. You're going to put your arms way out, one of those yeah kind of deals. (laughs) That's what wrestlers have to do. So the people that are hundreds of feet away can see them. Yeah, of
0: course. No, it's a very melodramatic medium. So. I don't even remember how we got down that tangent. Let's I, get back I, to
1: the movie then. <laughs>
0: yeah, we haven't really talked about the movie except for about five minutes of ranting about it. But I think it's safe to say I didn't enjoy it by and large.
1: We knew that. Yeah, you said that.
0: I don't think you necessarily enjoyed it either. I think you found it. I more just like found it in an I
1: didn't really care.
0: I think one of the reasons for that is I never understood exactly why Jimmy the King was such a reviled person. You've got the Joe Pantaleano character,
1: who I guess is sort of the WCW analogy to Vince McMahon for the purposes of this Their movie. There guy, Eric Bischoff, was going to play that character. He was going to be the Joey Pants character, but he got fired by the company, uh, okay. so they didn't use him in the role, so they hired a real actor like Joey Pants to play him instead. And you could have just as easily said that's a Vince McMahon thing, but he doesn't really seem like Vince McMahon anyway.
0: No, I don't think it's a necessarily direct correlation to Vince McMahon. But the crooked but, promoter, though. The crooked promoter, the mastermind, the guy that creates the characters and brings them up through the ranks and stuff like that. And at one point inexplicably to us, except to say that maybe the Oliver Platt character got a little bit too big for his britches, mm-hmm. decides it's time to destroy Jimmy the King. He's going to get wiped out by DDP. Was it DDP that initially took him down? Or was that just a cage match later? It was DDP, It was yeah. DDP, right? Yeah. Because
1: yeah. he's the bad guy. Yeah, because he's supposed to take the fall, but the Joe Pantoliano character tells him, no, no, you're going to take the You down know this to play DDP. on is the real life thing that's been talked about even now, and it happened in 1997, so almost 22 years ago. When Bret Hart got screwed in Montreal by Vince McMahon. Really? He was you never heard this story? No. Okay. I
0: didn't follow it very closely. Well, Bret
1: Hart is the Canadian hero, and it was in Montreal, and he didn't want to lose to his opponent, Shawn Michaels. That's such a long story. Any wrestling fan knows all this, so I won't go too much more into it. But then how do you get Bret to lay down for three seconds to actually beat him? It was not supposed to be that he would lose in his last match before he went to WCW back in 1997. Bret, that is. Mm. Instead, they had a sequence where Shawn got Bret in his own hold, and then as soon as he did... Vince says, ring the bell. Yeah. So it's like he gave up, but he didn't actually give up. And that's a whole long story. They talk about even now. Brett seems to be affected. He says he's over it, and he still doesn't seem to be actually over it. So what happens in this movie, I took a note for it, and then I happened to go through the trivia as I was going through the film when I got bored, and I oh, let's look at the trivia. And, <laughs> and it was in there, and they played off the same thing, which is, I thought, this reminds me a lot of the Bret Hart thing. This is actually a play on the Bret Hart thing. Okay, I didn't know that. Interesting callback. I just wish I had understood more... Because it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't know that, I guess. Yeah. Why do you do it to the guy? Other than because you're yeah. a crooked promoter. Or even then,
0: in the case of Bret Hart, you said he was leaving for WCW. Mm-hmm. So I could see Vince being a little bit spiteful and pissed off about that. Because he can by, be very spiteful. Yeah, but that's what I hear. He's a bit of like an ADD character. He's off in all different directions. Well, and if you cross him, then he yeah. can really bring the hammer More so down. now that
1: he's in his 70s. He's even more erratic. The other thing I didn't say was that Bret was the champion and... Another person had taken a title belt, not that belt, but had taken a title belt and put it in the garbage on WCW TV. Brad would never have done that, I don't think, but Vince was worried that he would. So that's where you get this whole storyline from, apparently. And it makes sense, because I made that note and I read that they said the same thing. So that's your storyline. Arquette and Khan, so their names are Gordy and Sean. Gordy is David Arquette sean and scott con they would get thrown out of the arena so fast for some of the things they do before they're actually part of king's posse when he makes them part of the whole thing at the end okay fine you have no choice then but early on what are you getting so involved for and all the people not just those two guys okay let's say we give them benefit of the doubt that they'd be this nuts about wrestling because most wrestling fans aren't this crazy about wrestling close but not this crazy but all their friends too they're obsessed with it all the time that's they ever talk about both of them, but especially
0: the Arquette character. They're both supposed to be pretty dumb. They're dumb and dumber. Yeah, they're reading the unofficial biography of Jimmy the King, and when they go meet Jimmy the King's parents trying to find him after he's been disgraced in the ring, they're trying to track him down, bring him back, because Jimmy needs them. They meet the parents, and to their face say, Oh, no, but you died as a fighter pilot in Nam or something, right? To the father, and the father just looks like, You guys are fucking stupid, aren't mm-hmm. you? kind of thing. I get it, it's supposed to be a gag, but I'm like, it's... Such a stupid gag.
1: They're too stupid to live.
0: Harry and Lloyd are probably also too stupid to live.
1: They're stupider. They're stupider. <laughs> but they're funnier. And that maybe that's the great it. endings of all time that movie does. It does. Now, there's some serious blood and guts in the opening montage when you see the classic wrestlers. You see some of the WWF guys, including Andre the Giant. Yep. But mostly it's WCW guys. They're covered in blood. And it's funny because the movie's PG-13, like actual wrestling, would have been at the time. You could get away with a lot on... Well, actually, that's the whole thing. People have said that in the Attitude Era, in WWF, and to a degree in WCW, they actually toned it down more. But you'd say things that were really crossing the line, or at least towing the line. But in this movie, they're saying things like butt instead of ass, nuts instead of balls, and then friggin' rather than fucking. But that's also maybe a play on the fact that WCW was the one that would say those kinds of things. They didn't say fucking on WWF TV, but they came pretty close to a lot of other things. And they would say asshole. They would say bitch and damn. Stone Cold Steve Austin would wave his fingers in the air. The two middle fingers of people all the time. That was his gimmick. Yeah, like I said, he behaved like an asshole and people loved
0: him for it. I did too at the time, I'll be honest. <laughs> this movie felt like it wanted to be one thing, but wasn't willing to go far enough to achieve it. Maybe that's why I, I disliked it so much. is Either be smarter... Or just go all the way. Or be way dumber. Or be way dumber. But mm-hmm. like you said, and I think now that you said it, like that might just be it. It's that they tried to be safe. They tried to be the PG-13 brand. They tried to be super crude while not crossing the line to get R, I guess. They just like failed on every front. And well, that's the
1: mighty X writer for you, maybe. And also Brian Robbins, who directed, directed Varsity Blues the year before this and Hardball the year after this. Hardball's another movie I wouldn't mind covering one day for our podcast. Varsity Blues, not so much. But he's obviously a sports director, and he's also directed a lot of shitty films. I would say (laughs) Firstly Blues, Ready to Rumble, and some other ones I looked on his resume. But Hardball is pretty good. But these other ones, it's more like, well, we're going to toe the line. And then that's why I say it's innocuous. I didn't really give a shit because you didn't offend me, and you also didn't interest me, and you certainly didn't make me laugh. So it's kind of a pointless venture. This movie
0: definitely didn't age very well. There's definitely humor in it that doesn't age very well. There's subject matter that doesn't age very well language that doesn't
1: we're finding that a lot in these podcasts because mostly we're doing movies that are at least 25 years old this isn't that old but
0: we're doing a lot of 80s 90s or earlier like longest yard we talked about how a lot of what we think was probably meant to be humorous at the time just doesn't
1: age but the movie's 45 years old yeah
0: exactly in this case in the last year two years especially given that rose mcgowan has a pretty big role Mm -hmm. in this and And hated
1: making it apparently.
0: I believe it, given what we've learned about her as a person in recent years. One of the
1: Me Too women, yeah. Yeah,
0: and she's one of the lead cheerleaders in the WCW crew. Repeatedly and crudely objectified by everybody she meets. We find out that she's probably being used... I took it that Joe Pantaleano was exchanging sex for some sort of career advancement with her and was blackmailing her into screwing over Jimmy the King through Mm -hmm. David Arquette's character
1: I did like that she didn't end up being a good guy in the end though she wasn't a baby face she really was a heel and then got knocked out which again doesn't age very well probably but then you could also argue she got involved so she's asking for it yeah and that's what wrestling would say in light of all that me too stuff watching this made me
0: uncomfortable I have to say and we've had this similar conversations about like what do you feel about this subject matter given what we now know or what we've experienced recently and often I'm willing to write it off and say listen you have to sort of watch this material in the context of when it was made and understand that and now we can look back at it and say we have to do better and we can't excuse what they did we have to understand why they did it then even with this I can't excuse they, they, they should have known better even they should have known better some of the stupid gags Gordy's just repeatedly, Bazongas! Round bosoms! The can't say a word because you're so fixated with somebody's tits at this point is so played out by 2000, mm. and that gag is run into the ground, and then run into the ground again when she eventually sleeps with him, and then run into the ground later. I almost couldn't watch it. It was so badly written. I think it's safe to say that we both wish that this was written a little
1: bit more intelligently. This is one reason why I take notes watching movies. A, I want to for the podcast, but B, it distracts me from the bad ones. Yeah. It's funny, too, because WCW wasn't selling out arenas in 2000, even though they're selling out the ones in this film, including in Cheyenne. They wouldn't sell out Cheyenne. They probably wouldn't even get 20 people in Cheyenne if is, they ever even went there. Is WCW still around today? I know. No, that... they just were bought by Vince McMahon in 2001. Were they really? So they in lived 2001? a year after this movie came out, they were done. He bought this competition, and it didn't cost him much at all because they'd run it so far on the ground. And yet, in 1996, wow. when Hulk Hogan turned heel, went to be a bad guy, from that point on, to be they... Hollywood Hogan. Oh no! From that point on, WCW led in the ratings for something like 83 weeks. There's a podcast called "83 Weeks." Eric Bischoff does right. that one because it's all about how we beat the big bad WWF for what's that? Two years. Oh, not weeks? quite two years. It's a, a year, year, and and bit, yeah. Yeah, year and a bit, yeah. Yeah, a year and a half My math failed me yet again. <laughs> Damn you, math! We talked about how it's dumb and dumber. It's also Bill and Ted in some ways. There's a Bill and Ted-esque angle with a cop father, and that's Gordy's dad, yeah. breaking up the pair, or trying to break up the pair. He would if he makes Gordy be a cop, which is what he wants. So there's that Bill and Ted thing. And I guess that's one of the motivating factors, why these guys try so hard to make the thing work with Jimmy the King, because A, they love wrestling, B, they love him, and C, they're motivated to stay together. So let me get the hell out of here. I can't be made to be a cop if I'm not even here.
0: As we record more and more and more of these, and we talk about the ins and outs of some of these sports movies we've seen, one of my common themes with a lot of the movies that don't really succeed, in my opinion anyway, is that they try to put in too many little threads that don't really ultimately serve all that much of the story. And one of those is... The relationship angle of things. And what you said is true. Gordy and, sorry, Scott. Sean. Sean, yeah. yeah. Both of their characters have daddy issues. Gordy, like you said, wants him to be the cop, doesn't want him to be involved in this childish obsession of wrestling. And Sean's dad apparently is dead, right, at this Mm -hmm. point? And he's inherited. Wish I
1: had a dad still, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And And the Jimmy himself is a bad dad.
0: So they have reasons for wanting this surrogate father figure. I get that. There's a lot of time wasted on that angle. There's a lot of time wasted on the go nowhere romance angle with Sean and that girl that works at the fast food restaurant. Like he gets yeah. three scenes, but maybe like 10 minutes of total airtime. First they show up ordering food and she's the second fiddle to this other asshole blonde girl who I think is actually the sister of somebody famous. Isn't she a Duff the blonde?
1: Let's see, I've got it right here.
0: She might be a less successful Duff.
1: There's a lot of people in this cast. Martin Landau's in this movie. Martin Landau, As Lando, Stu Hart, I mentioned Bret Hart. Well, his yeah. father, again, I took a note. He reminds me of the whole thing you hear about Stu Hart, the way that this old man can, what they call, stretch people up, get him down on the mat and just have a pressure point on you or yeah. twist your arm in such a way. He's barely touching you, and these 230-pound guys who are jacked and tough and all this stuff are screaming. I wrote that note down, and I looked at the trivia, and it said the same thing about really? it happened twice.
0: That was a cute moment when he takes down the wrestling enforcers that track down Jimmy the King at their trainer. I don't see a Duff here. I'm seeing a lot uh-huh. of
1: wrestlers' names in the cast list. If I find something about it later, I'll put it on the... Or we'll talk about it next week, I guess, or two weeks from now. I don't see a Duff in any of these. What was your point, though, anyway? What the hell was my point? <laughs> Damn it! Got distracted by Landau. Figure out what the hell you want to achieve with this movie. Do
0: you want it to be a crude comedy about two guys that are best buds and they love wrestling and their parents don't want to be wrestlers? Fine, but why do you have this romance with Sean? All it is is the one scene at the drive-thru... Then she shows up before they go to, they don't call it WrestleMania in WCW, but the rumble in the
1: cage at the end. Yeah, that. their big show back then was Starrcade. I don't think they called it that, They didn't though. call it that, no. They no. actually did that triple cage thing in reality a couple of times, too, yeah, once on TV. I, I do remember it that. That's so it so incredibly dangerous. And then at the end, DDP takes a fall, a Mick Foley-esque fall. It looks like it's that a three-story fall. Yeah, would have broken his back. It could have easily Maybe broken his neck. Yeah. A little nuts, but But yeah, anyway, before yeah. they
0: go off that, she bangs him in the RV, and then at the end, you see a, like a brief clip of her cheering for him, but... It's not like
1: they're together. You right know now. why they do that, I think? Especially a movie like this, this whole macho angle. Especially when you got two buddies who spend so much time together and such good friends. Let's have a subtle nod to the fact that he's not gay. He likes the girls. Hey, fuck this girl early you in the movie. You think so? Probably.
0: Oh, maybe. And it could
1: be sometimes the actors insisting on this. We talked in The Longest Yard about some of the things that Burt Reynolds may have wanted in his movies over the years because he was a big star. And the way that any big star might want a certain thing. Tom Cruise has to run. Brad Pitt has to eat. Brad Pitt has to eat? In his movies, he's always eating, almost always eating something. And I guess the idea is, this has been talked about in a lot of YouTube channels, Cruz looks cool running, Pitt looks cool eating. So maybe Bird has his thing, and it could be Uh-oh. that even Scott Kahn, for whatever size star he was, insisted that, I gotta look like a tough, cool guy here, uh-huh. but also look like a sex machine, at least briefly. Because so, Arquette has his own scenes, sexuality-wise, yeah, yeah, with, he, he Rose gets with
0: Rose McGowan. So if Arquette gets laid, then Scott Conn's got to get laid, too? It could be that.
1: It also could be the filmmakers themselves, the writers, the producers, the studio, didn't want either of them to look like they're gay, because wrestling's never usually called gay, but it is two men rolling around their underwear. Yeah, fuck's sakes. I bet you that's part of it. I don't know. I'm just no, guessing. No, I'm not but... saying you're wrong.
0: I shake my head, because if you get rid of that whole stupid little arc that goes nowhere, Sean or Scott Con, you don't get your stupid 30 seconds of banging a girl in the RV, mm-hmm. and then the ass shot as he runs after the car buck naked right, at, yeah. in the RV. You get rid of some of the terrible shit gags at the beginning of the movie and instead you get in another like 30 minutes of maybe showing us who Jimmy the King actually is when he's in his prime, show us what he's all about. Maybe he's a total dick in the ring and that's why he has to fail ultimately.
1: Give us something to actually care about. I think the answer to this question as well is that the studio, the director, the writer, the producers, the actors think it's funny. Yeah. Do you see outtakes sometimes or making ofs on movies... And you'll see them all laughing so hard. Not movies I've owned so much. I don't usually own movies I think are unfunny. But I've rented them plenty of times over the years. And every once in a while, I'll watch the outtakes or deleted scenes. Or they'll put them like this movie at the end. That's usually a kiss of death. Other than Grumpy Old Men.
0: Those if you put the cute. outtakes, yeah. they are
1: so funny even now. I watched Grumpy Old Men a few months ago, and it still is pretty funny at the end with Burgess Meredith. Were there outtakes to this? Yeah, at the very end of the movie, you see them rolling lines. That yeah, was part of the credits. I did not. The second the credits started rolling, um, I got the hell out of you there. You missed the content, and you see a whole montage of all the ball shots with ball kicks. Especially that Jimmy the King takes. I think they think all this stuff is hilarious. And to a lot of people, it probably is. Wrestling, oh, my wrestling is, <laughs> right. all to the grind. <laughs> wrestling is a low-brow sport, entertainment, whatever you want to call it, even now. And it certainly was then. Yeah, maybe. Vince McMahon has the worst sense of humor in the world. He would probably think that stuff's hilarious. He probably would have liked this movie if he'd actually been involved <laughs> in making it.
0: But see, Oliver Platt, I didn't think he was bad in this movie. Like you He's said, a good actor. He chews it up. He's a good actor. He's been acting for 30 years, too. I like him, and I hate to see him putting forth effort mm-hmm. and having nothing to work with. Caroline Ray is in this as his ex-wife. Good supporting cast. She's a good actress, and she's very funny in other stuff that she's worked on. But she's lame in this. She has nothing to work with. The dialogue she's given is horrible, and yeah. so I don't blame her delivering anything, but it's a nothing character. I hate seeing these talents wasted, and it really bugs me. Martin Landau brought a level of energy and charisma that I thought was pretty impressive. At the end of our last podcast, I mentioned that I feared Scott Kahn in this because I don't like him most of the time. I don't like him in Hawaii 5 I don't really like him in the oceans. You business. know that
1: show Hawaii 5 has been on for something like 10 years? Yeah. I know about the Ocean series, of course. He's in all those, small part. But I looked up other things. Hawaii 5 stands out. Since around the time Lost went off the air because the guy who played Jin is in that show, was, he was in that yeah, show too. Did, yeah. So yeah, a decade of this show. So Scott Conn's sat for life with that. It must be in syndication. And he's only in the business because his dad is James Gunn. And he's a
0: hairy, hairy man. Chest hair exploding every which way. Mm -hmm. He's the innocuous straight man, right? He's the nice guy by and large and maybe that's why he has to get laid at the end because the nice guy's got to get the payoff. At the end of it all, you've got the posse that forms around Jimmy the King for his triumphant return and you've got this stupid, I guess it's the Miss Elizabeth, the pretty kitty character at the end. It's kind of dumb. And all the hicks that they round up as the posse and then, of course, you get David Arquette as... I don't remember what the hell his posse character's name was, but he's like the cop, right? Mm-hmm. That's Because his... he wasn't there until the last second. Yeah, he drives in on the motorcycle the last second to save the day. And you've got Scott Kahn as the dapper manager wearing the bright red zoot suit. And maybe it's what you said earlier. Maybe it's that David Arquette was the true wrestling fan and he wanted to be the one of the two guys that actually gets in the ring. But David Arquette, he's a tallish beanpole guy. And Scott Conn is not a big man, but at least he's pretty muscular. So if anything, I would have thought that the dude that actually gets in the ring and serves as part of the wrestling posse would have been the guy that is actually plausibly a strong
1: man, not the guy that looks like I could break him over my knee with two fingers. David Arquette actually got into wrestling briefly to promote this movie with WCW, and he won, quote-unquote... Nobody ever wins a belt anyway. It's all set up. It's all rigged. I hate when people say wrestling is fake. It's not fake. It's scripted. It's orchestrated. It's planned. Yeah. But Arquette won the WCW World Heavyweight title on April 26, 2000 in promoting this movie. Really? And a lot of people say that's why WCW went under. But it was going under for a lot of reasons. (laughs) It was a dumb idea. I would love it if David Arquette were more or less single-handedly responsible for the demise of WCW. (laughs) He is taking so much heat for that. And it wasn't his idea. He was against it because he is a fan. He said, an actor, especially a guy the size of me, shouldn't be winning the belt. Yeah, yeah. but the guy in charge at the time Vince Russo insisted it's not like he pinned Macho Man or Hulk Hogan he pinned a smaller guy who wasn't a huge star it may not be a good idea I can respect in some ways the idea of let's do something different because Vince Russo this is not Vince McMahon I'm saying but Vince Russo yeah. always wanted to do something different well sometimes you do things that are just flat out stupid and Arquette is actually getting back into wrestling now he's gotten stronger and in more shape than he ever was before and I don't really know why he got to be the star he was I guess the screen movies and the sequels and he, he was really was fun enough on those movies but he was big-ish around this point. I wouldn't say this movie ended his career by any means. He's still acted ever since, but yeah. not in anything really all that big. The last, or the better part of the last 15 minutes, when that actually is
0: the cage match, I thought they did a reasonably good job of orchestrating it as you would
1: a WCW yeah, cage I'm match. It right? looks relatively good, mostly because the wrestlers themselves are doing most of the work, along with Oliver Platt's stunt double, not Oliver Platt. He's in there for some shots, and it's pretty obvious when he is
0: and when he isn't. I thought they pulled it off pretty well, and it's the action part of the movie. There's no comedy involved Mm -hmm. at all, but that was the one part of the movie that maybe worked the best, was that last sequence when he does ultimately get to the top of the triple cage and grab the belt. It's all leading
1: to that, too. It's not that much of a shock that it works, but... You you know it's
0: coming, but Mm -hmm. who's going to show up to save the
1: day? In this case, it's Goldberg, it's David Arquette, Sting turning on Joe Pantaleano's And doing what he did in WCW around that same point, which was to not really be involved and swoop in and save the day at the yeah. last second, like Arquette does as well. One thing about this ending, though, that does expose wrestling to a degree is that when they whip each other in the ropes, when they do a ton of moves, if somebody were to try to throw you in the ropes, if some huge guy did that to me, okay, I'm going to go for little ways, as little and puny as I am, but you don't necessarily keep running. Right. If you don't want to get hit, you'd stop. So wrestling's all about working together almost all the time. You can punch a guy, okay, when that first starts happening and the King is wondering, what the hell, DDP's actually punching me here. Okay, somebody can actually punch you, but they can't do wrestling moves to you for very long without you helping out. So they do expose the fact that these two guys are supposed to be having a legit, as they call, shoot fight. You're not going to have a shoot fight with somebody who's not going to shoot back. That's That's not going to happen. So they do kind of expose wrestling in a way, the best part of the film, which is the triple cage fight. The
0: first match with Jimmy the King and DDP, when DDP turns on Jimmy and takes the title... They actually mic them for that, and you can hear Oliver Platt's character talking
1: to DDP. And say, yeah, I like right. that. Yeah, it was good. it's good. Because like, they actually do that. All right,
0: let's do this leg lock move. And They the talk bl- to each
1: other all the time. We just don't ever see or here, or rarely.
0: As much as I'm not a wrestling fan, I would never call wrestling fake. I agree with you. It's scripted. I think it's essentially a, a soap opera for boys and men. It's like calling The like-
1: Godfather fake. Yeah. Marlon Brando didn't get shot in the street. He pretended he got shot in the street. Right.
0: It's, it's scripted in as much as the winner and loser should be anyway, like you said. Without, except for the Brad exce- <laughs> Except for the odd exception, is known going in. Mm-hmm. But these guys are doing dangerous moves.
1: Mm-hmm. They're actually doing it. Just getting, as they call it, flat back bumped, which is just going back on your back on that mat, that, when you're not used to it, A, knocks the wind out of you, and B, yeah. can literally hurt. And these guys do it in the course of their career probably tens of thousands of times. But that's one of the things you learn in wrestling school is how to just do that. How to take a fall. How to take any kind of fall. Yeah,
0: and I have a lot of respect for the guys that do it for a long time because I don't know how you do and not end up crippled in the process. It's like football players. I think every one of these guys is somewhat messed up. Well, look at Chris Benoit. I mean, he's the most extreme example of that because I think there was drug issues in addition to the brain damage that he sustained, but the guy murdered his family and killed himself. And when they conducted an autopsy, his brain was mostly just mush. He was an 80-year-old man, basically, yeah, in, there, exactly. in his brain. And it's incredible that some of them, especially the more extreme examples, guys like Mick Foley mentioned earlier, right. he looked like you or me on the street, right? You like
1: walk into him, you would never peg he's him. He's my wrestling hero, partly because I can relate to him. Yeah. But I cannot watch that Hell in a Cell match anymore because even though he didn't obviously die, he's still alive now, 20 plus years later i cringe when i watch any part of it especially the second time he went through the cage because he could have broken his neck he's talked about it if he had done that move properly the choke slam he might have died and he would have certainly broken his neck but he basically flat back bumped as i just said a minute ago but from about 15 or so feet in the air whatever it is 12 feet absolutely in absolutely insane the first time when he goes off the cage he controlled himself mostly and that was nuts and he should never have done it even though they've shown that on wwf television wwe television probably thousands of times, I pretty much turn away now. And part of the reason why, and this may—this is getting deep now, but I feel guilty that I only really started liking that dude around that time after that match. I oh, should have really? appreciated how good he was, how funny he could be, how talented he was, even though he wasn't a truly great wrestler like a Bret Hart. But I should have liked him before, and it was only after some of that crazy shit that I started realizing how good he was. So I feel guilty that he nearly died for people like me that weren't putting him on a higher level to begin with.
0: You make a good point, but I think if you're a wrestling fan, or even somebody like me, I saw that Hell in a Cell match when it happened. He didn't look like what a star wrestler should look like. He didn't look like The Rock. He wasn't a good-looking guy who was built like a fucking mountain. Mm -hmm. His whole character was based around his lack of good looks, like the Mankind character with the leather
1: mask and all that. And his toughness. He can take anything.
0: He's not the kind of guy that you are attracted to until he does something crazy. Or until you see Mick Foley, the man speak outside
1: the ring funny guy very smart he's i'd very love to f- meet smart, him
0: very articulate very funny he's mm-hmm. a great interviewer and that was the time when i truly began to appreciate him when i saw him do some interviews with some of the media and they talked to him about his experiences about who he is about what he's trying to accomplish he'd and written
1: books that's why he was out in the mainstream exactly, media. exactly yeah
0: incredible story that he could get to the point that he did Looking like he did, being the guy he was, mm. a five-foot, what, what do you think, like five? No, he
1: was six-foot-three-ish. Was he 6 3 Yeah, and he was about 300 pounds. Well, he was way over that because he got pretty damn fat.
0: But that, again, goes to show you how massive a lot of these guys are. Like Kane-type character. Six-nine-ish. Yeah. Six-nine, 320 pounds. And, and now he... he's
1: the mayor in Tennessee. No shit. So a few more things about Ready to Rumble, then we'll wrap up. One thing I don't like is when somebody does this whole thing where, wrestling is fake, then he hit the guy, and then the guy who hits him says, does that feel fake? It's been done in so many places. People do it in reality all the time, in bar fights. I'll take on the big champion. I'll fight back against him, and I'll show him how tough I am. And of course, they're not going to win that fight. What I'm bothered by is the notion that if I punch you and knock you down, does that feel fake? Anyone can punch anyone else and hurt them. You could be fake. I don't think it is. But you could be doing something that's considered fake, but have the ability to punch someone. You're not proving anything by saying, does that feel fake? That whole, oh, it's wrestling is fake thing, is a
0: passe argument. But back at the time this movie came out, it was pervasive. And maybe it goes back to the mid to late 80s when WWF was becoming a widely televised phenomenon and people were watching it, maybe not understanding what it actually was, maybe thinking this was a sporting event and we'll find out who wins at the end of it.
1: Wrestling still pretended to be real at that point. At
0: that point, it did. Mm -hmm. I think as you progress through the 2000s, they embraced the soap operatic nature of it, mm. and they don't hide anymore that it is a show. Everybody talks about themselves as a performer now, if you ever hear them interview Vince doing, McMahon
1: won't ever call them wrestlers. They're either superstars or they're performers. Exactly.
0: I imagine that narrative is gone now. People don't even bother talking about it as a real sporting event. It is what it is, and you have to appreciate it for what it is. But you're right. Back then... Does this feel fake? Of course. It hurts like fucking hell. Like you said, just falling on your back flat on a mat when getting clotheslined is going to knock the wind of you if you're not prepared for it mm. or you don't know how to do it properly. Yeah, when you've been trained, it's fine. But when you haven't done it before, of course it's going to hurt. These are real damn stunts that these people are doing mm. and they should be
1: appreciated for
0: it. Mm. I can't believe we've talked this much about raising someone. i got to <laughs> be honest
1: I with thought you. I thought it would be a 35 minute <laughs> podcast. It's going to be more than that. Good All right. Job. So how was your beer? What is it again? The... The octopus, octopus thing was, it was enjoyable
0: it was soothing it did not make me feel ready to rumble
1: oh no oh, no what a failure <laughs> you didn't freak out freak out did not freak out i'm the cream <laughs> of the crop so do it now and it won't hurt my voice for the podcast it's almost over this beer is a
0: grain of sand and i am all the sand in the desert
1: so anyone who wants to know what he's talking about go to youtube and look for the macho man rabbit hole that chris uh. went down a few weeks ago as for scoring at this movie, I would say no. My testes were shriveled because I took so many steroids <laughs> to keep up with these guys. I was just pumping the steroids.
0: You were bench pressing your dog at the end of it all and
1: screaming in inarticulate rage. I'm in such bad shape, I don't think I could even bench press Sam. <laughs> But he did throw at your back shoveling snow. That's also true. Week, so. But I was heartened that the soft-bellied guy was the hero, so that was good. But no, the movie was not a turn-on. I assume you agree. Yeah. Maybe there's... a sexier movie. You know, I guess Longest Yard was because Burt Reynolds and stuff. Oh, right.
0: Burt Reynolds in his like torn jersey and cut-off undershirt and all that Pretty hairy man-belly yeah. hanging out yeah. there. <sighs> Can't
1: but you nice. know what is sexy? In two weeks, the movie we do, semi-pro Will Ferrell, but more importantly, Woody Harrelson's haircut and some of the other players in that movie. Actually, I don't remember if that movie's sexy, but I do remember that it's got one of my favorite laughs ever. We won't reveal what it is right now. Not a lot of people like that movie. I looked at the IMDb. It's something like a 5.8 out of 10, which I think is surprising. I thought it was a funny movie. It's on Netflix, one of the reasons for watching it. That's post-Anchorman,
0: post Talladega Nights, post a lot of Will Ferrell's absolute best movies. He went through a stretch, certainly, where there were some stinker-type movies, and I think this got caught up in it. I haven't seen this movie in a while. What kind of odds would you give me that Will Ferrell
1: will appear in his tidy whities
0: at least once in this movie?
1: I don't recall either. I've seen it at least twice, but it's been a while for me. I don't want to say I guarantee it, but I almost guarantee that he's <laughs> at least down to his skivvies. And maybe even naked, but we don't see as Johnson. This Damn is Will Ferrell's thing. He usually gets down to his undies at the very least. This will be, what, the third or the fourth Woody Harrelson movie that we're going to talk Right. About. Yeah, we so, did White Man Can't Jump. We did... Kingpin. Yes,
0: I think there's a third Woody Harrelson appearance.
1: Maybe not. Maybe this is the Woody Harrelson trilogy that we're going to complete. I don't think he did too many other sports movies. We're not going to do Wildcats. He's in that (laughs) only briefly anyway. Him and mostly Snipes in small roles. Also, we should say now that in March, the two movies we'll do, it's going to be Baseball Month. So we'll do Mr. Baseball, which Chris wanted to do way back when. Got to find that on video somehow. And also, (laughs) one of our co-favorites. I do have this on Blu-ray. Field of Dreams, one of my favorites. I will be bringing the three-ply tissue for that one, The tissues are right here. I feel like there's going to be a lot of feelings. Would you like one now? No. Free cry. Ready to Rumble did not elicit a lot of emotion in me, so I don't need a tissue just now. But I will then.
0: It's going to be a heartfelt episode. So those will be
1: in March. And then April, we're going to do at least one golf movie leading into the Masters. Now, we talked about Tin Cup, which I think is maybe the best golf
0: movie ever, but there's other options out there. There's a funny
1: one we'll do on April 11th or whatever the hell that day is. Yeah. Okay, well, then I am at MovieFiend51 on Twitter.
0: I'm not on Twitter, Ryan, but we are collectively on well, Twitter. Well, it's your Twitter at, account.
1: Yeah. At, scoring at Movies for him. That's the right. website, TopInnerProject.com. iTunes is where Apple Podcasts is where they find this stuff. Subscribe to us, comment to us, tell us what you think. So, oh, take her easy, take her dudes. Easy. I know that you will. What? I want an extra
0: step.
1: I feel so bad for people's ears. <laughs>